This is a crowd podcast. Nothing makes sense about Eva Cassidy. Rock and roll? Not really. Not with that voice. She's a bit of everything. Folk, blues, jazz, country, ballads and torch songs, crazy tales, big nights, not Eva. She's worked in a garden centre. She's about long walks, sunsets, what she calls the golden hour. Massive arenas, prancing about on a stage. She's so shy she'd rather not sing live at all. It's not a career to her. It's something you do because you love it. Picking on a guitar, singing classics your way. She doesn't write her own songs. She's about covers. Tunes that someone else has done really well already. There's no costumes, no hairstylist, no makeup budget. She's small and blonde, but doesn't stand out. Not really. She looks like someone your mate knows. No one's copying her look. It's just her doing what she does for herself. Not the fame or the money or the likes. So none of it should work. She dies, horribly young, but nothing happens for two years. Then it begins. Her songs on the radio, a connection with people who hear her. A million records sold, two million, five. It's confusing to a lot of people. What's so special about her? There's nothing special about her. That's how it can seem. So this is a story about a young woman but the music industry too. About a radio show in Britain and the man who hosts it. A famous TV show falling on harder times and one grainy clip filmed on an old camcorder. It's about how people talk when they hear something that moves them. About luck and fate and all the things you can't plan for. How word of mouth can turn an unknown into a superstar. Because no one outside Washington knows when Eva Cassidy dies. The world? The world's doing other things, listening to other singers, singing other songs. Eva's 33. She's recorded one sort of proper album and one live one. Neither of them have sold anything. The album that makes her famous isn't even an idea to her. Songbird. That's what they'll call it. What they'll call her by association. It'll be a compilation A mix of all these covers, over the rainbow, slow and quiet. Fields of gold, soft strumming and gentle vocals. People get ready, nothing at all like the Curtis Mayfield original. Songs of someone else that she makes her own, that feel like she made them for you, if you're into her. But that's for later. Because it's all back to front with Eva. The radio only notices when she's gone. You hear her... And she's not even there to explain why she sings like this, what's formed her. You never see her interviewed. The love comes after the death. And that's how the story of Eva Cassidy has to be told. The only way it makes sense. We start at the end and we work backwards. Because that's where we all came in. That's how we all experienced it. When it was all over. When there were no more lines to sing. (laughs) 
Okay, this is where we meet Terry. Except you know Terry already if you live in Britain, in Ireland. This is Terry Wogan in his golden period. Sir Terry. After the BBC One chat show, back on the Radio 2 breakfast show. Wake up to Wogan, that's what it's called. And that's what 8 million people do every day, Monday to Friday. It's the biggest thing in British radio. People don't just have it on in the background when they're getting up, when they're making breakfast, when they're on the way to work. They love it. They feel part of it. The in-jokes, the chat, the way it looks at the world, the music. That's how big it is. The bloke who reads the news is famous because he's on it. He's got a nickname, Deadly. And the woman who does the traffic reports, she's famous too. The Totty from Splotty. That's how they refer to her. Sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? A bit creepy, maybe. That's because you're not on the inside. The listeners have their own nickname too. The Togs. Terry's old geezers and gals. They talk about the same things, about being old and absent-minded, about being slightly grumpy, not really liking the modern world. They're the ones who email in, who love the silly made-up names like Chuffer Dandridge and Edna Cloud, who stay listening for the regular item that comes just after nine o'clock each morning, pause for thought. Religion wrapped up as common sense, a little story to leave you warm inside. Eva Cassidy had never heard of Terry Wogan. She never listened to this show. But it'll be this show that takes her to the world, because Terry hears Eva, and because of that connection between Terry and the Togs. The producer on Wake Up to Wogan is a man called Paul Walters, except he's known as Paulie on air, when he's not being called Dr Wally Poultry. Weird again. Go with it. Half of Britain does. Paulie has a mate who does the PR for a tiny record label in Brighton. Hot Records, it's called, which is sort of ironic because they don't release any hot records. They don't release many at all. But they've got this single, bought the rights from another little label in Washington, D.C. It's Eva Cassidy singing People Get Ready, the Curtis Mayfield one. On the B-side is a live version of Somewhere Over the Rainbow, recorded at a small club called The Blues Alley. So the PR guy drops an email to producer Paulie. Here's what it says. Dear Paul, I know you're a busy man, but you should really pay attention to this particular record. Cheers. You get a lot of emails when you run Britain's biggest radio show. You get a lot of labels trying to push the records. You get good at ignoring stuff. So Paulie emails back, promises to listen at some point. And his friend keeps pushing. No, I'd like you to listen to it this very moment. Okay, you're a mate, so Paulie does listen. And it stops him dead. The voice. The phrasing. He writes back, This is bloody brilliant, we're going with it tomorrow. And they do. Paulie gives the CD to Sir Terry. Terry does all the usual stuff, the jokes, the saucy limericks from listeners, the made-up names, the banter with Deadly. Deadly's the newsreader, remember? Then Wogan says this, and eight million people listen, all trusting him, all ready to join in. This is one Paul brought this morning by a lady called Eva Cassidy. Hope you like it. Five and a half minutes later, the song fades out, all hush and gentle quiet. 
little something that leaves you warm inside. And Terry knows, because it's got him too, and he knows the togs and what they'll be thinking. He's read the notes on the CD, so he tells them. That was Eva Cassidy, who it seems is tragically no longer with us. So it begins. Phone calls, emails, faxes. It's a fax kind of time. People wanting more, saying they'd had to stop getting up, making the breakfast, driving to work, talking about the voice and how they felt about it. Terry keeps playing it. So do other DJs on the station. People go to the shops and ask for the CD. They go to supermarkets. Now, supermarkets understand their customers. Who's doing the big shop? It's not the kids and the 20-somethings. So they don't stock Radiohead or the Chemical Brothers or Nine Inch Nails. It's the mums. It's the ones who have kids, whose 20-somethings have left home. Supermarkets stock the cause. They stock Celine Dion and the best of George Michael. They stock Eva Cassidy. 100,000 copies in a couple of months. That's the result. That's the back-to-front start. Now for the TV show. You know Top of the Pops if you're from Britain, if you're from Ireland. On telly every week since the 60s. Videos, bands on live, the charts all the way up to number one. But it started to slip. There's heaps of music channels on cable and satellite, new places to find new stuff. So there's a new show, Top of the Pops 2, all about nostalgia. All performances from the old days, stuff from the archives. It's warmth and comfort and sort of jokey captions. It's about looking back and thinking things were better then. It's quite Terry. It's very Wake Up to Wogan. Old clips all the way through to the end. And then one new song, a tune from the present, that will fit in with the old stuff too. And that's where Eva pops up next. She's never been on TV. She's never made a video. All they've got is this wobbly, grainy footage that a mate of hers took on his camcorder back at that club in Washington, the Blues Alley. It's Eva singing over the rainbow. No jump cuts, no lights, no action. Just her and a guitar. One shot. And they play it. And it all takes off again. More of those emails and calls and faxes. Now people know what Eva looked like, and they want more. That clip, the one which isn't really broadcast quality, that no one would ever send to MTV or those other music channels, it becomes the most requested clip in Top of the Pops 2 history. It becomes a story on the other main network, ITV. Trevor McDonald, the news but with a friendly face, nothing deadly about him, does an item on his show tonight. And that's what pushes the album to number one in the UK, in Ireland, just before Christmas. Everyone thinking about who they're missing. Everyone chasing a story to leave them warm inside. Comfort and warmth. America follows. ABC's version of the Trevor McDonald show is called Nighttime. Now they're doing a big feature on Eva. National Public Radio does the same thing. And so the ripples keep spreading. We've met Terry, we've met the Togs and Top of the Pops, but now we need to talk about Michelle Kwan. 
Michelle is a figure skater, an ice dancer. She's seriously good. Five times world champion, nine times US champion, and she's huge in the States. She does TV specials with ABC where she dances to Disney tunes. There's one called Princess on Ice. Her name sells. She's got endorsements with all the biggies. McDonald's, Chevy, Coke. Now she's at the Winter Olympics. They're in Salt Lake City. The first time the US has hosted a Winter Games in 18 years. She's the big draw, the one the networks stop for. And what song does she choose to skate to? Eva Cassidy, singing Fields of Gold. Primetime US TV, a sporting superstar, in a spotlight, wearing a gold costume. The country watching, the country is listening to Eva. No more obscurity. Now everyone knows her name. So now we're all working backwards. We've all heard the voice. We've seen the accidental video. Now people want more. Who was this woman? What has she done? And so we jump back again. The crowd shrinks. No TV cameras. No network news. It's September 96, and we're at a little club in Washington called The Bayou, just round the corner from the Blues Alley. Brick front, square. You can hear the hum and rattle of the Whitehurst freeway overhead as you queue outside. Inside, it's not big. A stage big enough for a tight band and no more. A balcony round the edge. A bar down below serving bottled beers. Good bands have played here on the way up or on the way through town. It's where you start. Learn how to play live here. Take it on to bigger venues and better money. Tonight's different though. It's not a normal gig. It's a tribute concert. Lots of local acts doing a song or two and then stepping aside. All the door money, the bar profits, not going to the owner, but to a woman in a wheelchair in the crowd. Eva. It was at the Blues Alley when she first noticed. A couple of months earlier, a pain in her hip, a dull ache. Felt like she should stay at home, take an anodine, lie on the couch. But she didn't want to, because they were launching the live album that night. So she'd turned up, using a cane to help her walk, thinking, it hurts because I've been up that ladder painting that mural at the local school canteen. But the ache had got worse, and the pain spread. She'd gone for tests. First they told her she'd got a fracture. They lined up a hip replacement. Then they ran more tests. X-rays. Okay, the reason you've got a fracture? You've got cancer. She'd had a malignant mole on her back, had it removed three years ago. They don't talk about that. They say, you've got cancer, and it's spread everywhere. Your hips, your back, your legs, your lungs. They'd given her five months, that's all, from out of a clear blue sky. They'd given her intense treatment, but never any hope. This is real. It's not going away. You need to know. So this gig, this autumn night at the Bayou, with all these performers playing a tune or two and not wanting a dollar for it, is to raise money for her. Maybe to go travelling, maybe to make a proper record, get in the studio. She looks different now at this gig, in her chair. The blonde hair's gone, 
she's got a hat on instead. The cane has become a proper walker, a metal frame that she shuffles along behind. At the end of the evening, she makes her way to the stage, slowly, taking pauses, taking rests. She sits on a stool, smiles, and starts singing. It's Louis Armstrong this time. What a wonderful world. Would probably sound cynical sung by someone else. Cruel, a lament. Not the way Eva sings it. It's a celebration. It's reflection. It sounds like her song when she does it. Everyone in the club knows her. Their friends, musicians she's played with, old workmates. Her mum and dad, her brother, her sister. They hold hands and they sing along. Tears, hugs, a warmth between them. Trying not to look upset when they know what this all means. It's the last performance. Eva doesn't get to travel. She doesn't get to make another record. She's exhausted by the effort of singing. Instead, she sends the $10,000 to four young cancer patients she's met at the hospital. She lies in her bed and writes thank you notes to everyone who helped. The club owner, the musicians, the sound guys, the ones who work the ticket office, the doormen. More than a hundred cards in all. Some days she's so tired she only manages one or two. Then she's asleep, blankets piled up on her. It's four weeks after the concert now. She's back at the family home. She's got days left, no more. So her friends come over on their way back from the studio. They've been laying tracks down around her old vocals, guitar and piano, organ and violin. They come by and they bring rough cuts of the old songs. They say, hey Eva, we just finished another one, wanna hear it? Her mum talks to her about trips away, about the time she went to Nova Scotia before she knew she was ill. The cloud formations during the day, the meteor showers at night, the warm sun, the cool breeze. She talks about the sunsets, those golden times, yellow rays on the red leaves and brown roofs. And more people come by, cousins, bandmates. They all ask the same question. Is there anything I can bring? Anything you want? And she always says the same thing. Draw me a picture. Draw me something from her walls. And that's what happens. Four people sitting in a hallway, five people, six, all sitting there with crayons and pieces of paper, all drawing, sunsets and mountains, red leaves and brown roofs, the golden time, as the day comes to an end. As we go backwards, we step into life, into sunshine. This is Eva growing up, before the cancer, before Michelle Kwan and Top of the Pops too, and Sir Terry and the Togs, before anyone knew. She's into vintage, that's her vibe. She wears leggings and baggy tops, old hats she finds in thrift stores. She buys old tables and chairs from junkyards and paints them up. She loves flowers. Wild ones from the roadside in Bowie, this quiet place outside Washington where she grows up. 
That's what leads to the job at the garden centre. Not thinking about a career in music, not thinking about millions of album sales. She's in the greenhouse. Her sister Annette works there part-time, a mum Barbara too. Eva looks after the little seedlings, moves them from trays to pots, helps them grow, takes care of them. She's got a dream about travelling, not being a star. Going to Europe, taking a guitar, playing cafes in the day and little bars at night. Doesn't need much money because she doesn't own much. Doesn't have fancy tastes. Has Campbell's chicken soup for lunch, tuna sandwiches for tea. She gets an odd job painting furniture in a small town down the road, chats to the woman working there, mentions that she's sung backing vocals for a few mates. And the conversation goes like this. Oh, you sing? Yeah, a little. The next day, Eva brings a tape in, plays it to the woman. And the woman shakes her head and laughs. What are you doing here? Get out of here, sing! So she does. Goes to a recording studio run by a guy called Chris Biondo. He'll be important to her. He'll matter to her. More than Terry and Michelle and Trevor MacDonald. She's here to sing a demo for a mate's band. But Biondo thinks she's wasted in the background. Says, this is about you. You've got something none of them have got. Gets her to come into the studio on a day's off from the garden centre to record her own stuff. They become an item, those two, for a while. It's Chris who persuades Eva to start her own band, five of them in it, her name in lights, the Eva Cassidy Band. They do the bars, the cafes, and this is a shock to her. She's not used to people looking at her. She's not used to looking at people. She sings with her eyes on the acoustic guitar under her arm, on the fingers of her left hand, finding the notes and the pulls on the fretboard. On her right hand, thumb hitting the bass strings, fingers picking and strumming. When she's gone, all those years later, people will talk about how her voice just stops them. For now, they just talk, often while she's playing. At the Blues Alley, it's all respect for musicians. You go there for the performances, at other places, you go for the food or the pool tables, the burgers and the sports on the big screens over the bar. There's people in the corner on guitars? Fine. It's just a live jukebox, right? But some people notice. A local soul singer. He gets her to duet on his album. His name gets her into bigger venues. Proper big labels come and have a look. Labels like Blue Note, the true home of jazz of legends like Thelonious Monk and Art Blakey. None of them sign her, because they can't work out what she is. Folk, blues, jazz, country, ballads and torch songs. She's all of those things. And that doesn't work for labels. They need it simple. How do we sell her? They don't realise the simple thing is the whole thing. That's what Eva's about at the start. At the end... When she's walking with her mum in her early 20s, hiking in the woods and down by the lakes. When she's driving her old bashed up pickup truck along a country road. And she keeps swerving and her mum asks why and she says, Mum, don't you see the caterpillars? I can't run over those. When she's in her room, age 16, 
listening to the folk of Joan Baez, the soul of Stevie Wonder, the jazz of Ella Fitzgerald, playing along, picking and strumming, singing the harmonies, her own versions of someone else's song. When she's starting in high school and the family's evening entertainment is them all playing music together, her dad on bass, her brother on violin, her sisters singing. When she's nine years old and her dad gives her a guitar for the first time and shows her the easy chords, the D and the G and the A, you can get to a lot of songs with those three. It can feel like a gift. What? I can make music too. And that's how the story of Eva Cassidy has to be told. The only way it makes sense. We start at the end and we work backwards. You want to know what's so special about her? Why, nine years after she dies, she sold more albums on Amazon than Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen and Elvis? Why, when Terry Wogan dies of cancer almost 20 years after she does, it's her version of Over the Rainbow they play first on the radio? Because there's nothing special about her. That's the point. She's herself all the way through. Not for the fame or the money or the likes. She's you and me. She's the dreams that don't make it. She's the hope that we all might matter. More than we think. This episode of Death of a Rockstar was written by Tom Fordyce and performed by me, Emma Clark. Our editor was Phil Brown. For research, we read Songbird by Rob Burley and Jonathan Maitland and Behind the Rainbow by John Backer. We used the archives of the BBC, the New York Times, the Telegraph, the Word and evacassidy.org. If you want to listen to some Eva, you have to start with Fields of Gold, Stormy Monday for the Blues and then, of course, her version of Over the Rainbow. And if you want another podcast to listen to, go and find our episode about Karen Carpenter or our one about Kirsty McColl. Thanks for listening. Crowd Network, a place where you belong. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Right? Do you like the Get down! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. 
I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks With Johnny, streaming everywhere now.